This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where the Seahawks are playing at the Los Angeles Rams in week 11. It's time to preview that matchup, and I'm joined by a perfect guest for that, head of NFL info at Underdog Fantasy, Sosa Kromenyas. Sosa, what's up? How's it going, Matty? It's good to be on. Uh, you know, part two of, of the Rams Seahawks. It feels like it's been <laughs> forever since they last played, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, two teams in an interesting spot here, so... Uh, we're starting to get in, into that thick of the uh, NFL season where things start to shake out. So I'm ready to go. Right. Week, week one to week 11. It feels like last year almost. I, and hopefully from a Seahawks perspective, it is. But we'll get into that. Um, how did you... You are a Rams fan, yes? I mean, ba- visual watchers, <laughs> Sosa has a, a very nice Rams logo behind him. Correct. Yes, that is correct. That is uh, some sort of like an alternate logo. It's uh, not actually it the yeah. The, I couldn't do the uh, actual one, so I went with that one. Uh, but yeah, I got a, a kind of a weird story when it came to uh, becoming a Rams fan. So originally, I'm not from North America. Uh, I came to Canada. I'm in Canada for those that don't know. I've been here since 2000, and um, ever since I came here, as you can imagine, 2000, the Rams were pretty good at that time. They're coming off a Super Bowl victory. Uh, me and my brother borrowed a a football game from a friend. I can't recall which one it was. I'm going to guess it was probably Madden, but I don't know for certain. And it was a demo, and there was two teams on there. And, uh, you know, coming off the Super Bowl was the Rams and the Titans. And my brother's older than me, so he's generally better, you know, at a lot of things when we were kids growing up, better at video games in this case. And so I got the better team, which was the Rams, and it kind of just, you know, stuck that way and never changed. So uh, I think part of it, too, was, you know, I liked the gold uniforms uh, at the time, like the yellowish gold. So um, that was really it. And I just stuck with it through and through. And I'm not really sure why. Sometimes I question that decision, (laughs) uh, especially, you know, the 2000 seven through 2012 range but yeah. uh you know it paid off so there you go hey they had some fun 
well, I don't know if fun's the right word. They had some violent e type of defenses in that kind of period. They were they were yeah. trying, kind of. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I remember around 2014, somehow we always had the Seahawks number, the Jeff Fisher days. Oh, uh, man. Always some sort of weird fake punt that would, like, put yep. us over the top and barely win us the game. <laughs> so, you know, there was that. But, yeah, the, those days weren't great, unfortunately. Well, it's very nice to have a fellow European on the show. I didn't know that about you. Dope. Yeah. Um, not often that happens. Look at us in the NFL. <laughs> so yeah. what's uh, your impression of the Seattle Seahawks? Obviously, you know, when we have guests on, sometimes they're a bit less familiar. But as you mentioned, this NFC West matchup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I generally think it's a really solid team, uh, you know, explosive. And you start on the offensive side of the ball, right? Uh, it's going to go as far as Geno sort of, you know, allows the Seahawks to. And I think there's probably a lower ceiling with him than there is with, with some other guys. But at the same time, I think generally Gino's got a really solid floor, right? So, uh, you know, you look around, there's just so many good weapons on that offensive side of the ball and, you know, three really good receivers, obviously um, two running backs that are really good. And, and I think generally, you know, you want to get healthy on that offensive line. I'm not entirely sure that what the state of it as of yet, I'm assuming probably that right tackle is still a little bit questionable right now, but um, you know, when, when, when you get back to health there, I think the offense is probably in a good spot. And obviously I'm familiar with Shane Wall being you know formerly on the Rams staff and then you know on the flip side of the ball you know some losses and some injuries Jamal Adams kind of going in and out and then Nuwosu I, I believe is out for the rest of the year if I'm not mistaken and then you know recent addition in Leonard Williams but man there's a lot of talent on that side of the ball you know you're looking at the Devin Witherspoons now who are budding stars and obviously you know across from him you had a Pro Bowl rookie corner last year in Woolen and so um generally just a good team you know and i think the seahawks know what they do well and they they're happy to do that consistently um very explosive on offense and, and you know as a uh selfish manner i would say i'd like to see jsn maybe a little bit more involved down the field and you know less in that short game but yeah i mean it's a good team i wouldn't be shocked if you know the seahawks can get to the playoffs maybe win a game in the playoffs and and ultimately um Maybe even win the division. I, I think San Fran's probably favorite still, but you know they're definitely gonna be in that discussion. Selfish with JSN. Did you have you got some fancy stock in him? <laughs> you know what? I actually don't. Uh, I, I just generally, I would call myself a football fan, uh, a purist to some extent. So, you know, there's just guys around the league that you know we all kind of want to see succeed and in in certain positions. So no, I don't actually have any fantasy football stock in JSN. I will say I did draft him originally, though uh, I did drop him way. Oh, back you gave so. up? Yes, I did. It was a smaller <laughs> league, so there was a lot of quality on the um, on the waiver wire list, and I could make a you know a little bit of an impactful kind of change there. But yeah, so no personal stock there. <laughs> Fair enough. Um... Yeah, you mentioned Seahawks right tackle situation. For those who missed the podcast yesterday, Abraham Lucas, who was the projected starter, did suit up for a bit of week one, and then his, the knee pain he's been dealing with uh, held him out, put him on IR. He was a uh, he's been limited participant in practice this week, so he may might make his way back. The rest of the line's fine, but they've currently been putting forty one year old Jason Peters on the right side, and he, he's been showing that his technique is a very polished, you know, multiple Pro Bowl, All Pro vet player, but he's still forty one years old, so there are yeah. some limitations there. Right. So the Rams, if if you haven't been paying attention, Seahawks fans. They've lost their last three games. They have three and six, which is kind of nuts. But then you factor in Matthew Stafford getting injured. Is it as simple as they've lost uh, what I believe, you know, on his day could be a top five quarterback, certainly a top 10 uh, passer in the league? 
I mean, I think that's a large part of it, obviously, right? There's really no team that's probably equipped to handle a quarterback loss in the NFL. That's just the the value of the position, unfortunately, for you know NFL teams. But I, I think it definitely goes deeper than that too, right? I mean, you look at this roster up and down. It's just not that great. I mean, it really isn't. The defensive side of the ball is very, very lean in terms of what they can offer this team. Um, and you start to see that creep up every now and again. There's certain games where, you know, a minute left in the half versus the Eagles, somehow it's it's almost assumed that you're going to give up at least three points. And then, you know, they find a way to give up seven. So uh, it feels like, you know, if they can get a stop, generally for me, if they can get a stop, I feel like that's a huge one. Never mind, you know, holding a team to 14 points or something like that. So, you know, defensively, they just don't have a lot of talent and we knew that going into this season and then on the offensive line I think there's been a few injuries you know they lost the left tackle for a game or two they lost Rob Hamstein the right tackle the last few games um but in general it's just not not been that great it's too inconsistent I think they've shown a lot of flashes that they've been a lot better than last year and and they could be maybe an average unit in the league uh but they haven't strung together multiple games where I feel comfortable in the sense that um you know, you, you feel good with Matthew Stafford back there. And the Rams generally have a longer developing style offense where Stafford's going to hold that ball. And, and, you know, he's waiting for guys to get to the first down marker, if not to that 12 to 15 yard range. And him being, you know, the guy he is, we know that he's struggled to stay healthy over the course of his entire career. That's that's a concern. You know, that's an issue. So I think there's much more than, you know, just the Stafford stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think if number nine is playing, the Rams generally have a good shot to at least be competitive, if not, you know, win certain games. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a flawed roster at the end of the day. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because they they were playing so well and, and they're playing so gritty and the way that they beat Seattle kind of coming back on the road and Stafford looking so impressive, uh, Puka Nakua coming out of nowhere. It's like, hold on a second. Why can't this team be really good, maybe be contending, but they've kind of, you know, NFL tendencies become a thing. I think teams kind of catch up week one's always a bit funky as well not to um you know they have they have two other wins as well but yeah that this losing slide even with Stafford not healthy it, it may suggest some other things and I've seen you tweeting about the 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 kind of draft picks of the team which shows how rough it got and you're mentioning how franchise quarterback left tackle and uh edge rusher a big needs and I know Picks like uh, you're a big fan of Steve Avia, the, the guard they took in the second round at left guard. And I know he had a, a really good game against Seattle. He kind of owned, um, who was playing three tech at the time there? Uh, Draymond Jones. Uh, everyone was really concerned. Were, Is Draymond Jones a bust because, uh, in terms of free agency ad because of how well Avila played? But is it the case that 2023 is kind of the first year of picks hitting, which they need to hit, and they're kind of paying the price for general manager, Les Snead, you know, and his aggression, obviously it resulted in a Super Bowl W, so it's probably worth it, but yeah, is, is it a year too soon almost? You know what's crazy? My phone is going crazy. I'm looking at it. Uh, breaking news right now, Joe Burrow is out for the year. Um, wow. Yes, that is... Uh... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you have to react to that? <laughs> uh, luckily, I am not required to be around as of now, but goodness, that that's you talk about big news to break. Um, Broke by head of NFO Info under fancy <laughs> to the Seattle Overload show. What an honor. <laughs> there you go. I mean, you couldn't have asked for anything better. So, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of where the Rams are at right now, I think this was generally expected, uh, at least from the team perspective, right? Fans are always generally going to be uh, looking at things in a positive uh, light and want to compete and that kind of thing. And I think the idea this year is to, you know, sort of be competitive, be in that seven to nine win range, start to build a bit of that foundation and, and lay some, figure out who's who's going to be around for the next you know few years and, and who you can build around. And then next year, I think was sort of the plan where you start to push the chips in the middle of the table. You know, they're going to go into the off season, uh, with a lot of free agency money available, a lot of cap space available. They ate a lot of money uh, this year on the books on purpose, uh, trimming the roster, getting rid of a lot of important players from previous years. And then, two, again, you look at you know not being active at the trade deadline. It just speaks to them wanting to have as much ammunition as possible going into this offseason to be able to stock up as much as they can uh, with this roster. So I, th- I think next year is going to be an interesting season because the Rams I think are going to go into it with the idea that they can probably be sort of where the Seahawks are right now in the sense that you want to get into the playoffs you want to maybe win a game in the playoffs maybe shock the world win two but you maybe don't look at yourself as a true Super Bowl you know top four contender for that that title uh but then you know you go into the next year with the idea that okay we've now taken that next step there's that final step to to really get to that title contender shot um but I think next year is going to be important and interesting in that regard because I think they're going to really be open to being able to play it uh, by how things sort of unravel in terms of their performance to expectation. You know, when you get to the trade deadline, if the team's six and one or whatever, seven and one, I can't even remember what week it comes in now, uh, you might want to be a little bit more willing to kind of push the chips in the middle of the table versus, you know, if you're four and four or whatever you can maybe just expect to get to the playoff type thing. So I think this year is just a transitional year to get into next year. And this off season is obviously going to be absolutely paramount to dis, you know, discern where the Rams are going to head over the next couple of years. But um, yeah, you know, with, with how they've played this off season, how they played this season, you know, they've kept guys around Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, and, and they've done that for a reason. It really tells me that, you know, this is kind of that stepping stone year. And then next year, they're going to really try to, to start to get aggressive to build the rest of that roster out. Yeah, it must be exciting that next year in the draft, 2024, they have first round pick, second round pick, and a third round pick, right? It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, you know what? The last time the Rams picked in the first round was 2016, Jared Goff. Uh, so, what? Yes, it's... Um, it's time. <laughs> it is time. <laughs> yeah, I think it was the longest stretch without a first round pick since the Washington, I guess I'll call them the franchise, because they were a different team at that time, in the 60s or 70s. I think they went 10 years without a first round pick, so... Jeez. So kind of on that subject, um, I know you tweeted that we're a clown car in reaction to that Carson Carson Wentz pickup at quarter bam. We talked about how Stafford got hurt and that kind of coincided along with Seattle poaching Brett Ripian, uh, Ripian, Ripian, uh, off the practice squad to to possibly just gain intel for, for on the Rams as their upcoming opponent. But 
you know, first round pick, depending on how high that is, with how the draft looks loaded at quarterback, I haven't dived into it enough, but I know that's the consensus from those who know more than me. Are you hoping kind of that that is a quarterback? Yeah. You know, I'm I'm still kind of undecided. Uh, like you, I haven't dove into the tape, so I can't, you know, you know, put my pin on which prospect I'd gamble my career on type thing. But, um, I, you know, I would certainly be open to it. I think there's maybe five players that I'm sort of hoping that the Rams can be in range for, or, you know, five to six, maybe seven players, considering, you know, the top receiver, Marvin Harrison, mm. the quarterbacks, obviously, you know, left tackles, maybe an edge rusher, and then, you know, the tight end out of Georgia or something. But um, it, it really remains to be seen. I, I think if you're picking high enough or you're close enough to be able to trade up where it's not going to kill you and it's going to be expensive regardless, I would certainly think that I would be in favor of that discussion. You know, if you can p partially because the Rams have only given Sean McVay one opportunity to go get his guy. And his guy was Matthew Stafford, obviously, and that panned out pretty well, but I would very much like to see that process repeated to where, you know, you start to look at a more long-term stable sort of opportunity. Yeah, because I mean, that's terrifying. Cause like what he did with guys off the scrap heap, like uh, John Wolford in that playoff game against Seattle, he yeah. clearly knows what, how to build an offense within his like vast scheme, but he knows how to structure a thing for a, a guy's strengths, even like, I mean, heck, it's Carson Wentz, but you can you can sort of envision, hey, McVeigh could win a game with him. So if it's then his like his choice in the first round of a court, that's that's concerning for the NFC West for the Seahawks, the right. NFL. Right, and yeah, I tend to think that way too. I mean, you know, you look at Jared Goff. We were talking about him as one of the biggest busts maybe ever coming out of his uh, rookie season. And to be fair to him, you know, it was a horrible uh, situation that he was in. Yeah. Right away, you know, just Sean McVay turns around and a year later they're in the Super Bowl, albeit maybe not because of Jared Goff, but he was... No, but that offense was amazing. Right. Unbelievable. Exactly. exactly. So, you know, I, I tend to think that, you know, I would envision that type of Drake May, you know, a lot of people are comparing him to a Justin Herbert where it's like, wow, imagine having a quarterback like that paired with Sean McVay for the next, you know, seven years or whatever until he's gone. That is the type of thing that excites me. So... Yeah, I, I mean, I think everything has to be in play for the Rams here, and it really ultimately depends on where they land. If they land, you know, at number 12, maybe you're talking about a different decision versus if they are picking the top six, might not be as expensive to move up. So, um, yeah, I, I think everything has to be on the table. Yeah, and I know Stafford would turn 36, I think, his birthday's early in the year, uh, n next year, and there's been murmurings around his, you know, considering retirement. I know, as you've mentioned, his health is always kind of a uh-oh question mark. So, yeah, that might influence things too. Right. So, McVeigh, we kind of mentioned how he's the worst possible coach for a tank job, but I just love that stat you tweeted about the Rams dedicating 34.3% of their entire salary cap to players not on the roster. That <laughs> that's got to be close to an NFL record. <laughs> I would assume that it is. Uh, I don't yeah. know for a fact. I can't say, but I'm very confident that that has to be a record. Um, I mean, we're talking almost 40%, right? It's just like, that's absolutely outrageous. Um, so like I mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago, they ate as much dead possible cap as they could this year. And that was the plan, right? They were going to trim the roster as much as possible. And the way that the Rams go about the salary cap is in a, 
a bit of a unique way. They're, they've been aggressive, obviously, the past few years, and kudos to them. Obviously, it worked out. Uh, but that forced them to be in this position now. At some point, that pill was going to come, and, and they decided to just kind of swallow it whole this past offseason. Um, and, and, you know, that's why they're they're paying a lot of guys that aren't on this roster, whether that's Andrew Whitworth for retirement reasons or Leonard Floyd, who's playing good in Buffalo, or, uh, you know, all these countless other players. So Jalen Ramsey um, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, a lot of dead money right now, and that's part of the reason why they are sort of roster strapped you know there's only so much you could do when you don't have a first round pick or uh you don't have 40 percent of your available cap space to to dedicate to current you know roster players and uh that was part of the decision that they made and ultimately i think it's hopefully going to work out you know this offseason they're going to have a lot of money to play with and and you know the decisions that they make are ultimately going to decide whether this was the right call or not uh but you know it, it, anything can happen i think i i start to think back to that 2017 offseason where sean mcveigh comes in into the door um and right away they they add two very franchise cornerstone style transitional pieces in andrew whitworth and robert woods in free agency and those mm. two guys were huge pillars to turning around the culture and obviously you know great performing players as well and that was i think part of the huge you know turnaround that that really got them and propelled them to that super bowl in 2018 so um you know the opportunities are there for them this offseason and Oddly enough for them, there's a lot of positions that kind of line up too. Uh, you know, edge rusher is going to be absolutely loaded, or as of now, you know, before right. the franchise tag starts to come around and all that. Uh, it should be, you know, very, very powerful in terms of the class available. And, you know, the Rams are obviously very, very bad at edge rusher. So uh, a lot of things line up for them here. Interesting. So one to keep an eye on, especially with Sean McVeigh at the helm. Now, what do you think the Rams are coming off a of bye week, which help Stafford get back and, and all that good stuff. But given they've lost three in a row, is there one thing or, or a couple of things you can think of that they've, they've been focused on in the bye week, trying to improve, trying to correct? Yeah. I, you know, I don't know that I can necessarily pinpoint any one particular area for them, you know, to have to improve this uh, the, past this bye week. You know, health is always going to be a huge thing in the right. NFL. And, you know, you mentioned Matthew Stafford, uh, right tackle Rob Havenstein should be back coming out of the bye week. Um, Kyron Williams probably a week closer to coming back as well. Uh, and, and I think it's just a, a chance to, like, refocus. You know, there was a lot of uncharacteristic things that the Rams sort of went through these past few weeks where – you know, Cooper Cup's the one guy you probably bet everything on, and he's come up with some drop issues and stuff that, you know, typically hasn't been in his forte. So um, just a, a lot of little things I think for the Rams is good to step back. Uh, you know, obviously it helps that it comes at this point in time when you're in a three-game losing skid and you're trying to get your quarterback healthy and all these guys back. And then, uh, you know, I think on the flip side, I, I, this is this is a bit of a unique Rams team because generally they, they will stick to their guys and, and – I don't want to say they're hard-headed and they refuse to, you know, admit a, a, or acknowledge a mistake in the sense that, you know, we're starting this guy and he's clearly just not cut for it. But I think this season they've been much more open to, to making those changes as opposed to past seasons where they've been more reluctant. And you've seen that at right guard where Joe Noteboom gets swapped out for Kevin Dodson, who's ultimately significantly better. Uh, you see it on the defensive side of the ball where, you know, Darion Kendrick on the boundary at corner, he gets pulled and now they're starting to kick out Kobe Durant that way. And then, you know, they're sliding in a safety kind of big nickel safety type of thing there. So I think, you know, even, even just taking this week to step back, really reevaluate all the tape and, and be open to, sort of moving some pieces around if need be. I think that's a big thing. And ultimately, we'll see how it kind of comes out out of this buy. But um, I think they just had to take this week to sort of decompress, you know, step back, try to break that skid, uh, get their minds right, obviously get healthy, and then, and you know, 
look at the second half of the season, uh, from their perspective, the schedule is quite favorable. So uh, me knowing where this team's at, I would prefer that they lose out. Uh, but that is, <laughs> you know, that's not how the NFL works. So no, that is fascinating how they've kind of been a bit cutthroat with almost churning, not cutting guys in terms of the roster, but uh, tweaking the lineup and maybe that bye week does see some some more churn, et cetera, et cetera. But with Matthew Stafford back and you talking about the schedule being favorable and the fact that, you know, the Seahawks, when uh, they did the double over the Rams last year, won both their games, but uh, it, that was their first road victory since 2017. So they have not been very good in Los Angeles. And with Stafford back, McVeigh at the helm, the receivers looking like absolute studs, the way that the Rams week one was that get kind of game where they were using all the like head start, uh, cheap motion or whatever you want to call it. And lots of condensed sets and Seattle just didn't have a clue what to do really. Is this offense just going to cause Seattle problems yet again? Because they always seem to be one step ahead of, of what Seattle's doing defensively. They has P. Carroll's number in the main. Yeah. Uh, I mean, shoot, your answer is as good as mine. You know, we'll see. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to see kind of how they come out of this bye week. Uh, you know, I generally don't think it's been too much of an issue of uh, schematics. I think it's been more of an issue of execution, which is generally the case, right? In the NFL, probably someone's sure. going to be open. Pro you know, that's that's just the way the game goes. But, um, you know, I I think the Rams are still kind of identity-less, if that, you know, that's not even a word, if that lack of lack of identity. Yes, lack yeah. of identity on offense there. Um you know, there's just there's just too much variance. I think when when it comes to week to week, which is maybe a good thing to some extent. You want to obviously attack your enemies where they're weak, but at the same time, there's no one thing that I think they can truly rely on that they feel great about. That they you know we know this is what they can do, and this is you know how they're built. Um, you know, one week they're going to be a downfield passing attack. The next week it's you know start to get under center a little bit more, and you know some play action stuff. And then the next week they're going to run the ball forty times out of nowhere, and you know the next week they all of a sudden don't run the ball at all. It's just very confusing. So I think they're still trying to figure out exactly what, you know, how this offense is best operate operative, I guess. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how they're going to play it. Obviously these division games are generally closer than, than um, other games. And you generally know what, what each team is going to do. And like you mentioned, you know, week one is, is unique in the sense that it's a new season. There's a lot of new tricks to each playbook. And uh, it's, it's, you know, a lot harder to get scheme and game plan for somebody in week one than it is week 11. So now you got, you know, 10 or so weeks of, of tape and film available to you. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Um, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be an execution game. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be much closer than the first one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, we'll see, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. That, that kind of lacking an identity or, you know, being kind of, uh, schizophrenic week to week or really changing it. Maybe in the bye week that's something they've honed. Maybe it also speaks to the fact that they're having to coach their ass off each week to try, try and eke out a win. And if that means being a completely different thing, then that's what they're going to have to try to do to, to exploit their specific weakness, which you may think is obvious with coaching, but at a certain point that there's diminishing returns, I'd say to that. Uh, one thing which stood out to me is Sports Info Solutions saying Stafford has 14 completions of 20 yards plus, which is only four behind the NFL leader, CJ Stroud. And obviously Stafford's missed two games, three games. Uh, like one and a half ish. One and a half, right? Okay, yeah. but yeah, that's kind of impressive to me. And what does help him is 
Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, the two wide receivers. And Sosa, given your background as well, who is the better duo, Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua over the middle, or Ivan Rakitic and Luka Modric in the middle? <laughs> that's that's a good question. This was this one took me a little bit of uh, you know scheming, game planning, and I'm going to be biased either way here. No no matter which way I go, <laughs> right? So uh, I I think I would tend to lean probably the Croatian midfield duo Rakitic and, sure. and Modric. Uh, I, you know I think you're talking with Luka. You're talking about it all time. You know great, and obviously again I'm biased in my opinion the best midfielder uh, ever holding mid. So. Um, like we're talking Xavi levels, you know, Iniesta, these Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and he just gets better with age, right? At this point, it's like, I, I feel bad for him because, especially when it comes to Croatia, he's he's the full engine of what every, you know, everything goes through. The build-up play is going to go through him. The counterattack is going to go through him. But, you know, there's just such a lackluster back line that he has to drop back so far all the time as well. So he's covering a ton of ground. So uh, at his age, obviously, you want to try to limit that as much as possible. But, yeah, I tend to I tend to lean with those guys. Uh, obviously, both great duos. And I still think we're, we're waiting to fully see, you know, Cooper Cup healthy and unleashed, Puka Nakua healthy and unleashed together because it just hasn't happened yet, right? It's been like, you know, Puka's killing it for four weeks while cups out then cup comes back he kills it for a week or two and puka's kind of been off and then now it's like cup has just been very quiet the last two or three games couple drops obviously backup quarterback's not going to help but then puka goes off so i think we're still waiting to fully see them kind of locked in together and shoot that could happen as soon as as this week right with stafford finally back and i'm excited to see that so um that's that's one thing that i think you know i'm very very excited to see what happens with this uh, second half of the schedule yeah, because both those guys, Cup and uh, Puka, they can kind of do a bit of everything, something Pete Carroll spoke about in his press conference this week. And so who gets what and when, like, you know, what spot Stafford decides to go to either of them is interesting to me. But, yeah, I mean, Modric has won the, the Ballon d'Or. Like, so for those who aren't into their soccer, best best player in the world, which for a, a kind of centre midfielder, not a guy who scores all the goals, is very impressive. Cooper Cup, he has the triple crown, but uh, (laughs) interesting. But yeah, Puka's best football definitely to come, you would think. Right. Defensively, um, and and interestingly, the Rams are 22nd in EPA per play on offense, 19th in success rate, which not great. Uh, 23rd drop back EPA. Wait, hang on a second. My apologies. The Rams' defense, 22nd in EPA per play, 19th in success rate, 23rd drop-back EPA, 25th drop-back success rate, 17th rush EPA, 16th rush success rate, whereas Seattle's offense is 10th in offense total points, 12th... um, Yeah, 10th in offense total points per PFF, whereas the Rams' defense is 27th. So this defense is kind of the weak point because the Rams offense, even without Stafford, has been like middle to, to high in total points per Sports Info Solutions. I saw in week one, the unit was kind of a bunch of unknowns of Aaron Donald. Byron Young's emerged. He has five sacks, just half a sack behind Donald. But is there anyone else? Like, that sounds ignorant. You would know better than me. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there's, uh, there's a few players that, you know, you can highlight on that side of the ball. Ernest Jones, the linebacker. Uh, he's really developing into a good player, very uh, versatile. Uh, I, I sort of look at him similar to like a Shaq Leonard style player where he's a little bit leaner, maybe not going to be able to kind of bang with guards, you know, like your 
260 pound Brian Urlacher from 15 years ago, but uh, a little bit more. Football's athletic. changed. Yes, it has changed a little bit. Your your linebackers, you know, 220 pounds now. So, um, yeah, he's he's kind of built in that mold. He's been a really really good player for the Rams. Uh, he's missed a little bit of time recently. I think one game, if if I'm not mistaken. So we'll be good to get him back. Obviously, the signal caller, the defense is going to get everyone lined up as well. Um, on the back end, you know, I think Akello Witherspoon's been a guy that has been pretty good for the Rams, which, you know, he's been at a few stops in the NFC West. We, yep, Seattle yeah. revenge game again. <laughs> correct, correct, yes. He's been in San Fran, and yep. he played good against San Fran as well, too. So uh, he's, he's, you know, he's going to get beat. There's certain times where he gets a little bit aggressive. I think he can bite on a double move, and there's been maybe two or three plays where he's, you know, there probably should have been a long touchdown in his coverage, but generally been a very competitive player uh you know he does a pretty good job at staying you know in phase and he's aggressive he will go fight for the ball uh so he's he's definitely been the best corner on the team there's no doubt about that in my mind so uh those are probably the two players that i think you know i would highlight outside of aaron donald obviously and and byron young and then you know on the back end i think one that's kind of interesting that i'm circling to sort of look at is their new nickelback is quentin lake you know he's kind of like a safety big nickel type player um didn't play a ton early in the season he was more of a, a sub package style player where they would bring him on and play that kind of you know, rat style role there. And now he's sort of taken on a bigger role with Darion Kendrick being benched. So um, generally, you know, he's not going to be able to break down with guys that are super shifty in the mold of a safety. But um, yeah, very excited to see, you know, how he pans out and how he can kind of hold his own there at Nickelback. So another Les Snead day three pick contributing, doing doing good stuff. How annoying yeah. uh, from a single perspective. <laughs> um, so Seattle did completely collapse in the second half of that week one game. So much so that, I mean, you, you probably haven't been paying attention to this like like I have, but Pete Carroll, like every week on the in his radio show, he's been like, damn, that Rams game, I really messed that up. And he just keeps talking about it, unprompted. Like they could ask him about the weather. He'd be like, yeah, the weather's nice, but the Rams game, we, I completely blew it. So uh, It seemed to me from the outside, uh, looking in and kind of what came out afterwards, that at halftime, they... Well, firstly, they overbuilt up the the fixture to, to, to begin the game, and then at halftime, some weird kind of complacency crept in, where they probably said some wild stuff like "Let's go beat this team by uh, fifty to whatever," um, and then they got completely done in. Uh, now, I, I see Jack in the chat. You're saying the key to beating the Rams is running the ball. Well, interestingly, the the pass defense per the kind of advanced stuff is worse than the, the rush defense rushes like middle tier pass defense like bottom uh third uh fifth but where was i going with this what was my question uh, <laughs> do you think the rams defense after that first half has a recipe i know you, you know you're familiar with geno smith seattle's weapons how, how do you view that matchup yeah i mean I think you've got to expect this Seattle offense to have a large advantage uh, going into this game. I, I just generally do. I mean, um, across the board at receiver is going to be in favor of the Seattle Seahawks, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, tight end is probably, you know, a 50-50 style kind of battle. Obviously, no fan, not the most featured tight end in the league. Um, and then the backfield, you know, I, there's just so much variety there you know obviously there's a lot of explosion there with kenneth walker and then you you sub in the rookie who looks like he wants to like end someone's career every time he plays charbonnet uh it's <laughs> it's gonna be tough for the Rams, man i don't know how they're gonna you know eke out of this one obviously again like i mentioned there's only so much you can kind of 
surprise each other with at this point. Uh, you know, we're later in the season. You're divisional rivals. Uh, there's at this point, it's sort of a hat on a hat, man on a man kind of thing. Who's going to execute? So, um, generally speaking, you know, if if that right tackle's back, you know, that will certainly help. I would assume with that pass rush in terms of Byron Young, and then obviously Aaron Donald's going to be the key up front as always. You know, you could put two or three guys there. Um, yeah, I think this, the advantage has to go to Seattle offensively, so I would be you know surprised if it's a, a very unproductive game on that on that side of the ball for Seattle. But uh, yeah, you, you know I'm, I'm I'm interested to see just because uh, this this side of the ball for the Rams is just you know I give them credit because I think they're outperforming my expectations. I generally thought they would be the worst defense in football, if not you know second worst because Arizona's depth chart was god awful on that side of the ball too. Uh, but they've been you know a lot better than what I thought. Not good, still probably below league average. You know in that bottom third like you mentioned. Uh, but better than what I expected. So I will give them credit for battling and keeping. Uh, you know, you know they're they're trying their best, but definitely just a lack of you know talent at some point is going to catch up to you. Yeah. So I mean, criticizing effort is kind of I'm not that big a believer in it unless it's like egregious. Like a lot of things can happen on a football play, but Aaron Donald's still playing hard. Like I'm sure his legacy is motivating him. You, you haven't seen him checking out or anything. No, he's, uh, which is strange to me. I, I thought, you know, maybe with how the Rams have gone about things, you know, they, they've done. Right, because it's, it's just him, like we've yeah. been saying. Yeah. I, I mean, even Raheem Morris said it, you know, he's like, <laughs> you know, Aaron Donald, it's just Aaron Donald and a bunch of guys. Like he insulted his own players, you know, so. Wow. And the Rams have done right by their players in the sense that they'll generally take less compensation to put their guys in spots where they think is respectable to them. They did it with Robert Woods. They did it with uh, Jalen Ramsey. They've done it with multiple guys across the board. And so. You would think, you know, Aaron Donald at this point in his career, he would probably want to go compete. You know, he's only got maybe a year or two left before that contract is up. And he's got a no trade clause. So he's, you know, he's got all leverage to keep himself in, in L.A. And he keeps saying he wants to stay there. So I don't know if he's fully bought into the idea that, you know, that final year of his contract, they're going to push the chips in the middle and maybe give him one more shot to go get it. But, uh, you know, it's definitely crept up in the back of my mind where it's like, you know, you know this guy is done. I mean, he's a legendary player across the board. You got to do right by him. And so I've thought, you know, maybe it's time to kind of let him start to seek other opportunities. But he seems adamant he wants to stay. So uh, <laughs> that effort's never going to drop off. And like you said, you know, he's he's doing it for bigger reasons. Obviously, he could be, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of defensive players ever. So there you go. Yeah, and kind of touching on something we we spoke about. Well, you you sort of mentioned. I'm really interested to see is from a not just defense versus offense or offense one side of the ball, but both sides of the ball, seeing how the Seahawks approach a second game versus the same opponent. Because the first time for Seattle, uh, is it for the Rams? Should be. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. They haven't played um, another divisional team, yeah. Nope, nope. Yeah, it's the first yeah. second game, so. So that's probably where, like, schematically, it gets really kind of honed in, dialed in. And Seattle, schematically, in week one, they were trying a lot of stuff, probably too much stuff, uh, like the pass rush, for instance. They were throwing everything at the wall, and none of it really stuck. And they were kind of running into each other and looking confused. So something to look forward to also. So, so you've been very generous with your time. Thank you so much. Is there anything you'd like to promote? You can follow Sosa at QB's MVP. NFL info underdog fancy anything else that is all yeah you could find everything we do at underdog uh, at underdog underscore underscore NFL you know that's generally where I spend 95% of my life so uh, yeah the fastest updates in the game in terms of you know injuries and all that kind of interesting stuff so yeah it's kind of wild I'm, I'm scrolling the timeline and I'm like whoa 
that's uh that's quick uh so <laughs> usually yeah. the first one so you, you you're doing a great job there uh, and everyone at underdog good people so make sure you check them out thank you very much uh, i should mention also that the seahawks are i think they're minus one favorites but that might have changed to yeah i think that's correct minus one favorites so gonna be a tight game per las vegas all right, thank you, everyone. Please do like the video, comment down below, follow me at Matty F. Brown, follow the podcast at Seattle Overload to know when we're going live. And if you're listening, please do give us a five-star review. Thank you very much. Have a good rest of your day.